luckily, we've set everyone up for low expectations by calling it the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. That was a smart move by us, because everything we do is no budget. Even our lives. Even our podcast. Even our podcast is no budget. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, presented by Cinema Summit. A podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 44 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we are going to be talking about creating the perfect post station. But first, Alex, what are we drinking? Coors Light. Of course. No mystery here. Yeah, what do you guys guys want from (laughs) us? Uh, Although we are on track to getting an actual ice machine, maybe. Oh man. If Trevor's uh, fixing McUppin skills (laughs) are... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if that's what you're calling them, then we're we're doomed for failure. <laughs> Fixie McUppins. Um, yes, we are ordering some parts from China, yeah. and we're going to try to fix this thing. Uh, Larry's a wonderful company. Uh, broke the ice machine and didn't want to fix it, so they have more dispendable income than we do, which I don't know how. Yeah. But uh, so, so I we, figured out what I think might be the problem, and we're going to try to fix it and uh, maybe get an ice machine for some. From some mixy drinks. <laughs> For some mixy drinks. I actually did, br- you know, surprisingly, we're, we're uh, recording this podcast earlier in the day. Um, I have in there some limes as well as some uh, bubbly water for some uh, vodka sodies but I figured didn't want to get uh, didn't want to get too tipsy McScruffins uh, <laughs> early um, yeah. so that is just sitting there but uh, yes um, uh, yeah. hopefully we get the ice Maker, we'll be rocking this thing quickly. Um, yeah, we will. And then our poor snow cone machine can finally get oh its my day. God, yes. Um, if you, uh, for some reason, uh, hear about a fire at a small studio in Hawthorne, that was us because we were soldering these the fixy Mc, <laughs> McUppins fixes, and it all burned down. So yeah. I apologize uh, if uh, you never. Hear I like Orr's new ice machine. Um, we should fix this one and then swap it for the new one. <laughs> They'd never know. Yes, it would. But yeah, probably. Would. The other one's dark. Uh, I know they don't look stainless a, steel a thing alike at all. And the other one is very technologically savvy. It has like a display on it. I know. Um, you can have, make different sizes of cubes. You can make extra large cubes. I like. I like that. Yeah, we do. Let's just be happy. We're gonna get an ice maker, maybe. Yeah. But if we don't get it, we'll probably be forced to buy one because we're, like it's so close. It's like, oh my gosh, it's right there. Snow, uh, snow machine, uh, snow machine, uh, ice machine for our snow. <laughs> That's snow why machine. we need the ice yeah. maker, is so that we can fill our snow machine uh, for inside the studio. Yes, just yep. you know, we just want nothing says great film equipment like moist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, dampness, dampness. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, wow, now I see why uh, Funbot really hates us. We have literally. <laughs> hey, it's only been. I don't know, five minutes. Of- okay, fine, fine. Uh, so what's new? Uh, on my end, um, not so much because my parentals were in town, so they hung out with me and my wife for about a good week, and we did and drank too much. Um, yeah. Uh, so I didn't really do much other than uh, placate to them and keep them happy. Um, and, nice. Uh, that was about it. Uh, what's new uh, with you, Alex? 
Um, well, talking to we're talking to a buddy of ours uh, about, yes. about shooting some no-budget features, as it were. Yep. Which, hey, <laughs> great for this show. You came to the right place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so hopefully Snow we're going to start uh, prepping for that and then aim for shooting in June, which is real fast. Yeah, it's going to pop up before we know it, especially because we really don't know much about the project. I know, but it's it's kind of like the um, the brainchild of our friend, and uh, we don't know exactly what he's going to throw our direction. We never do. We never do. So we'll we'll take it as it comes. As you know, hey, you know what? That's what else how, can you th- do? That's how that's how we kind of operate uh, mostly for all of our things. Yeah, exactly. Um, just kind of see how it goes, and um, <laughs> hey, hope for the best. Hope for the best. That's all we can do. Um, so yeah, so those are the two biggest things with us right now. But hopefully, uh, that'll mean yeah. we'll have more what's new. Yeah, that'd be great. Related to actually making uh, no budget films. That would be fantastic. In the near future, sweet. Maybe some behind the scenes videos. On Maybe filmmaking dot com. Oh my god, think of it. Just <laughs> imagine that having videos for Doing a things. podcast about filmmaking. Fantastic. We're shocked as much as you are, guys. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. so that's basically what's new with us. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, it. So now uh, FunBot can just suck it because we didn't spend too much time on that. We spent more time on our ice machine and snow cone maker. Yeah. <laughs> Get it. Nailed it. Um, so yeah. what are we talking about today, Trevor? What is this? So What's we, happening? We earlier were talking about, because we're in the midst of a complete rehaul of our equipment list. Yeah. About, I guess that's new. Did we talk about that? Yeah, we talked about that last time because we okay, had come yeah, up with that's the idea. True. <laughs> Um, we had done a complete overhaul of our um, equipment list, and you know, so that's that's also what's new is we're working on on selling and buying. Uh, but w- we have yet to touch on the, and that mostly was equipment for the production of a film and the production of a project. But we really haven't touched on post production and all because you know what, me and Alex love equipment for all aspects of filmmaking because we get all googly eyed at. At post production stuff, you know, that's street true. 4K monitors. There's all sorts of cool um, stuff. There's out all there. tons of stuff that just make your post so much easier, so much cooler. Yeah, and all that fun stuff. So today we're going to be talking about building out your perfect uh, post production suite. Um, you know, maybe it's your uh, it's the basement of your parents' house where you also could live. Be. Nothing wrong with that. It could be your bedroom. Could be your bedroom. Could be a, a large closet. Could be it could be an extra room in your in your house. Yeah, it could be a whole separate building that you rent or office or whatever. You know? Yeah, we're not going to be. Doesn't matter. We're not going to. We're not going to judge you on where you do your post work. It no. could be your couch, and all you. Have I is do a most of my post work on my couch. Yeah, um, I do most of my post work in a in, box. In a box. <laughs> um, at the New York Post. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. my post work. Uh, usually I have a second bedroom at my place and I have a little setup there. I also do a lot of post work at the studio because yeah. we have our beast of a computer that uh, is slices through 4K footage like a hot knife through butter. Nailed it. That's right. Yeah. So I've just figured out your obsession with post-it notes because you're, you're big on the post. <laughs> you have not. <laughs> God, I hate you so much. <laughs> but I do have an obsession with post-it notes because I think they're phenomenal and the greatest invention that man has ever done is fuck the wheel. Um, yeah. Um, so, it's yeah. Just a light adhesive on a, on a small square of paper. Did you come up with it? I didn't have the ch- It was made before I was born. Well, obviously you didn't come up with it then. So I would have uh, probably. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All wrong. those. Other, yeah. <laughs> Tell me I'm lying. Uh, you know what? I believe you. You've, you've done it. Yeah. You've done it. Yeah. Uh, you, you would have. Um, so, yeah. So the biggest question when you're always doing posts is what kind of computer do you get? Do you get a lappy top? Do yep. you get a tower? Do you get an all-in-one, which is what may, you know, an iMac? Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I know HP makes an all-in-one, too. I, uh-huh. All the companies make all-in-ones, yeah. but I think the iMac is probably the one that most people get when they're thinking about doing, like, post. I mean, the, the problem is that a lot of people think of Macs when they think of post. Um, they, you know, they do Final Cut. They think of the Macs of the end-all, be-all. I am using a... Uh, Mac Pro, the trash can as they call them, and that thing has been giving me nothing but problems, especially yeah. on a server-based edit, like if it's connected to a network server. Man, that thing is failing left and right, Yeah, and it's horrible. Uh, so, no, it could be a bunch of things. Um, you know, people edit on their MacBook Pros, which are great for uh, 1080 kind of work. Um, I have an HP ZBook, and I can edit 4K footage on that. Uh, yeah. it's starting to get a little slower, but it's still at its 4k footage and you know, it works for me. Yeah. Um, um, and I think especially, you know, there's a lot of things to consider because a lot of times if you're editing like a larger project, you'll have proxies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. If you're shooting 4k, 6k or whatever raw. Yeah. Um, so in that instance, you don't necessarily need something that can slice, you know, the real 4K footage. Yeah. Um, but I do think that uh, having a computer that's able to handle 4K, obviously it's going to help in the render phase yeah. of things. And the, geo- and the visual effects. The visual effects, yeah. motion graphics, all that kind of stuff, compositing. I, now, I would say if you are, if you could afford it, I would, m- me personally, if you had the room, get a tower. Yeah. One thing that's great about towers is that they're upgradable. And we'll talk about later about how long you should expect to have, like, you know, the life of the computer. Um, yeah. The problem I have with Macs is that you can't really upgrade them very well. Uh, some you can't upgrade at all. So once it becomes a little slope, you got to get rid of it and get a new one. Right. Um, but our beast. So it's is- like if, you're, if you buy the model that has 16. Uh, gigabytes of ram yeah you're stuck with that yeah i mean a lot of macs are like that because they make it so hard to open up now with uh pc based laptops and uh towers a little bit more user-friendly which is why i like pcs more than uh you know windows based linux based whatever you want to say let's just say non-macs because we can uh (laughs) we can uh easily open them up and upgrade things take things out fix things if they go bad um my recommendation would be if you have the room for it and if you have the budget for it go with a tower um, as yeah. your main editing computer. But get a laptop, and if you can afford it, a laptop that can at least edit 1080p because say you're on a field shoot or say you are on an interview shoot on location. Uh, me and Alex just had this uh, a couple of weeks ago with the pilot we shot. Um, you're going to need the transfer footage because for the most part, especially with interviews, you're going to run out of media. Yeah. You're going to have your cards fill up, especially if you're doing four people and each person interviews for an hour. Unless you've got lots of money and lots of media, you're going to run out of media space. And so you're going to want to be able to transfer that footage on location because you want to free up the room so you can continue shooting. If you have a tower, you're not going to lug that tower to a location shooting. No, 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 right. no. One thing that I've seen people do, um, I'm interested in hearing what you think about this. Um, they'll take an all-in-one mm-hmm. that 
I'm assuming they use as their main computer. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll put it in a Pelican, almost like a, a monitor case, you know? Yeah. And take that to set with them if they're like a DAT or if they're, you know, transferring footage or whatever. That to me just seems like overkill. And now granted, if this is, if the, if that's all you can afford is an all in one, then do it. Like that'd be great. Um, but it just kind of seems almost like you're asking for trouble. Cause the more you transport that monitor, which also has the computer built in, the more risk you are at of th- something crashing, right? something breaking. Cause um, generally speaking, maybe I'm wrong about this, but my, I've always been wary of sort of like, tipping and like flipping upside down and like shaking around computers too much. Yeah. I mean, it's just a bunch of parts. Now iMacs and all in ones are usually built kind of a little more like there's not a lot of parts that can pop out because they are built as all in ones. So it's not easily to like pop out a part and put something new in. Yeah. But still, I mean, yeah, a Pelican case will probably protect it. But the second you're starting to transport this big giant thing, it topples and falls. You're fucked. Yeah. Um, if you crack the screen on it. Oh, don't. don't. It's not I was great. bringing a nice little cinema display to the studio. <laughs> and granted, I, you know, I, as I got in my car, I was like, you know, I should have laid that thing down flat. I was like, yeah, it'll be fine. I went up the ramp of my parking garage and I just heard, Foomp! and I was like, oh, no. And it just hit, 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 the, corner. hit the corner, right? Snagged the corner. And cracked the screen. Luckily, it was a newer one, so the screen, the actual, like, Glass that covers the screen can pop off with magnets and be replaced, but like that can happen. And so don't do that. Just bring a laptop. I mean, if you can't afford one that has the ability to edit, all it is is a pass through. It's just a pass through to pass on the card reader to a hard drive because no laptop is going to have enough space for everything. And you really don't need a great one. So you could just have something that will turn on, hook up two things, pass footage between. The card reader and the hard drive, and that's be fine. But I do recommend having a laptop on hand for if you're having field shoots, just so you can transfer that footage. But in my opinion, the best thing to have at home or in your editing suite is a tower because you can upgrade it and all that stuff. Um, and you don't have to go to, uh, you know, you, you don't have to build do a custom build. You can get one from Dell. You can get one from HP. But if you have the money, custom build is pretty nice because you can kind of you know, figure out exactly what you want and need. Now, do you think, um, speaking of custom building, like if you're able to put all the pieces together yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Does that actually come out cheaper than say buying like a pre-built one with the same parts in it? I would say yes, because if you pay a company, they have to pay those people a salary to make that stuff. And so maybe they'll get the parts a little cheaper because they buy in volume, but at the same time, um, uh, there's negatives and positives of building your own. I used to always build my own computers. Nerd alert. Um, <laughs> such a strong nerd alert. Um, but uh, the one advantage of is if you have somebody else, even if it's a custom build, um, if you have somebody else build it, there's always tech support or there should be tech support. So if something goes wrong, uh, they can uh, um, you know, troubleshoot it for you. I, I remember um, we had – we had a project and they wanted it done really fast and they wanted these updates to do really fast. And we gave them an ultimatum. We said, well, you can either pay us to get two editors to do these changes uh, because the render time is so much, or you can, um, you know, buy us a new computer basically. And, and it was somebody we had worked with in the past and people I had worked with in the past. So I was very friendly with them and I could, I felt comfortable telling them this, them this but 
We said, or you can get us a new computer that can render at twice the speeds and we'll be done with it faster. Like that's just what it is. Um, these were unannounced changes that were on them. It wasn't our fault. And they bought us a computer and it was custom built. And uh, so it was. there was a company behind it. And I remember we were looking to upgrade to Thunderbolt 3 uh, with a card. And I emailed them. I said, hey, you don't want to make sure that this motherboard can handle this? And said, no, I can't. Um, so don't do it. And by the way, we don't recommend any computer to have add-on Thunderbolt cards. If it's not built into the motherboard, we don't recommend it. And that was nice because we would have spent like $150 on a card that wouldn't have worked. And yeah. you, know, you never want to have to return things because it could be a little wonky. But um, yeah. Um, but I used to always build it, and um, I built one for you as well. Um, yep. And, you know, you can kind of get things a little cheaper, and you can also buy them used um, if you don't want – if you if there's a card out there that somebody wanted to upgrade to the biggest and bad, best that is so expensive and they want to get rid of their old car, you can buy that one, and that's just fine for you, what you need it for much cheaper than – you know because everything you're going to buy through a company is going to be brand new. Yeah. Um, and then also just – Talking about the laptop all-in-one, um, like custom, the, the ability to customize those types of things. Um, I feel like we should mention the HP line of stuff because they've specifically built their all-in-one and their laptops to be somewhat expandable. Not not totally. Yeah, what I like about the HP Z series. Especially the all-in-ones. They kind of open like a car hood. Yeah. It just is like one solid piece of covering that you open up and there's access to everything. Add a new hard drive. Add some memory. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can't necessarily add things where there's not places for it, obviously. I mean, that's also the case in a regular tower. But um, if you wanted to add, put in like an SSD instead of the hard drive that's built in you could just swap it out yeah same with like the memory you can just sort of swap it out yeah i remember i upgraded the memory on my z book when i got it. i got it used i added a second hard drive um and it was great it was easy um the only thing that you're limited on which i imagine is difficult in general for all types of computers is um so like my z book i can only get up to a certain amount of or like a certain level of graphics card, anything else, it, I can't because of the motherboard. Um, do you think it's possible? Like if if someone got a tower and then they were like like our our computer mm-hmm. that doesn't have USB three uh, capabilities or whatever yeah. um, because of the motherboard, do you think it's possible or like ideal to then say okay, well all we need to do is switch switch out the motherboard. Yeah, then you get into like I mean, we could go down a deep hole of this. Then you get into like processor issues of like the the processor that you have doesn't doesn't work fit. with that motherboard. Yeah, so um, you have to get a processor too. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that can be upgraded and keeping the old parts from your old computer and it like acts like a new computer. Like adding memory just is a game changer. If you can add memory, it will drastically improve the performance of your computer, and it's. Not that expensive and usually pops right in. Yeah, it's easy to do. But I mean, I have, I know I have a movie server at home. Man, I'm really nerding out today. Um, I have a movie server at home and I upgraded it. And I took the motherboard from one and the processor from the old one because the processor is great, but the memory, uh, the motherboard wouldn't allow me to upgrade my memory. And I just pulled the processor out, put it in the new one, and it worked fine. Um, So you can do it. Um, It's just compatibility becomes a big issue because once you, once you, uh, you know, 
how am I trying to say this right? Like once you get into this idea of like building your own like HP – not just HP but like PCs in general, you're going to have a bunch of companies coming out with things that might not be compatible with other things. So instead of like for Macs, most of the stuff you're getting are Mac parts. But for PCs, there's you know 30 companies that are making parts for it. So it's all like – Okay, well, we got to see if this works. We got to see if this works. You know. Um, yeah, and things that are new might not work with things that are older. Exactly. Because they have they've built it with the other new things in mind. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Now, when it comes to uh, editing, mm-hmm. do you think there's a difference, like in the the requirements for the computer, like the specs on the computer? If you're trying to edit something that is like a feature length versus short, so if you're trying, if you do a lot of editing work, but it's all kind of like under ten minutes, versus if you're like, I'm going to edit a feature. Do you do you need like a better computer for that? I would say you probably need more memory, only because you're going to be dealing with a lot of clips at the same time. So you're going to be switching between clips, and it's going to be reading files at different times. Going to want to swap around, and then, I mean storage, of course, because. Right. How much footage you have. But I definitely think you need to upgrade memory because you're going to have a lot of clips that you're going through, a lot of takes that you're going through. And it, to manage all that, you know, you open a, you open a, f- a file that has 150 different takes in it. Um, then your that computer has to load that and keep it all in memory so that it can easily switch between it all. So I think it comes down to memory in terms of like shooting a short or editing a short or editing a feature. It comes down yeah. to that. And, and including like you're adding in, you know, if you want to do your own sound, you're adding in sound effects, you're adding in dialogue, it, all that stuff just adds to the memory. And of course the space. Yeah. Yep. All right. So should we go through all the different yeah, pieces yeah. and yeah. see what kind of stuff we can yeah, dig we'll, up? Yeah, we'll bring up what our computer is and what we'd upgrade on our computer and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. So for people that don't really know that much about computers and stuff. Yeah. Um, what are you listening to this episode for? Yeah. No, they're <laughs> listening to this episode so they can learn about oh. it. What so is the history of Oh. So the processor is just kind of what handles all the processing of the information. Just uh, you know, running applications. Um, think of it, processor is a long-term memory. Memory is just random access memory, which just kind of goes in there, comes out real quick, and kind of floats away. But a processor is kind of and like handling your rendering. A lot of the processor is mm-hmm. done on rendering. Um, uh, also, memory and graphics card. Uh, but processor basically the brains of the computer. Uh, yeah. The faster that the processor is, the faster computations it could do at one time. And when you boil it down, uh, digital cinema is just a bunch of zeros and ones, which is what is handled by the processor and the memory. Um, you know, there's tons of processors out there: Intel, AMD. Um, you know, you can you know, Macs have their own processors, that kind of stuff, but they're mostly Intel uh, based. So, meaning you can do a lot of. Um, uh, you know, you could do a lot of different options when you buy it. You, you know, again, it yeah. comes down to the motherboard that you buy, what's compatible. Um, yeah. What's the, so I've always kind of wondered this, like it, it's just, there's, they build in some type of common sense with it. Like the Intel i7, right? Yeah. Is better than the i5. Yeah. But is there any sort of like, uh, is the numbering of those related to anything or is that just like what they call it? I think the i3 and the i5 is for um, laptops. 
Okay. Um, I5, I think, is like the, I think I3 is definitely for laptops. I5 could be, if I remember correctly, like the, the, the cheaper version of the i7. So it's like, yeah. hey, this is like the, like, you know, good for personal computing, don't need to be crazy powerful. i7 is the most powerful. And then you get to Xeon, and that's like server based chips. Right. And uh, which we have in our beast of a machine because a server is just processing data, and so they're great for processing renders. Yeah, uh, they're great for processing, you know, the instructions for a uh, for a, an export. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just kind of like a it's kind of a performance thing. It's like the i seven is the top, you know, and then there's i seven extreme and all that. Right. So there's always extreme. So you think a Xeon processor in terms of Intel is like. The way to go. Yeah, especially if you're doing uh, visual effects um, and a lot of rendering. Uh, Xeons are just great because they allow you to expand. They they work really well with – we have two Xeon processors um, in ours. So it's two processors in one in one machine and they just you know work well together and they're used to just hammering out ones and zeros really quick and yeah. really efficiently. Yeah, and how – so – this is this is like I've I've I'm not very like computer savvy when it comes to like all this stuff. What, I was a computer science major before I became what a cinema is guy, a so you know. what is a core? You know they always talk about like quad core or like this this thing has eight cores. So it's like a it's like a virtual processor. So like four cores means it's like these four different cores inside the processor can each do their own thing without being dependent on the other. So it's almost like having four processors in the computer. Hmm. Um, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I did this research. But I'm pretty sure our beast has like twelve is like a twelve core. Yeah, each one is a twelve core, I believe. Um, Man, uh, no, maybe they're each six core. I think um, they're each six core. Um, but yeah, so we have two of those, and they're beasts. Um, and so, um, also what happens is Xeons use, you know, like with anything else are compatible with, mo- m- uh, motherboards that give you the option to expand a lot of me- to a lot of memory. Right. Uh, memory is really good for, you know, these programs to edit like resolve and like premiere and being able to handle a lot of things and also help with rendering and all that. Um, and the more memory you have, the better. So like your, cons- your, prosumer your pro version motherboards with like i7s and all that have a kind of a, a peak amount of memory that they can handle in one motherboard yeah, um, and it's probably what like 32 or 64 or something no they could go up to 128 or 256 interesting but if i were to man i i want to look this up if i were um let's see i'm gonna look it up right now our we have xeon um xeon e5 2630 processor max memory. And if, if I remember correctly, it was crazy. Um, okay, so <laughs> that's version 4. Ours is version 3. Um, let's see if I can find it. Uh, so we have version 3. The newest version's out now. Um, max memory. Oh, five-star reviews. Um, okay, each of ours has eight cores. So we okay. have 16 cores. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's right. So the memory, the max memory, 768 gigabytes. <laughs> so 128 to 256 is kind of the norm. We could do 512 and then some. Yeah. And that is where we're kind of lagging. We want to get upgrading. But, you know, the other downside of Xeons is their memory is kind of expensive because it's for servers. It's for... You know, yeah. in industries and enterprises. Right. It's meant to be like on a rack of like 12 of yep. them at a company that can afford to pay a million dollars for 
a bunch of servers. Exactly. Stuff. Exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, so, um, we could, we could have a lot of memory in this thing and that would help. Um, and yeah. I want to do, uh, more memory in this thing. Uh, but we only have 64 and memory is kind of like another way of just, you can have multiple programs running at the same time, multiple processes running at the same time. Um, and, um, I would say 60, I mean, we have 64 in ours and it runs like a beast and all this stuff is, you know, dependent on each other. Like if you have a really good processor and not as much memory, you'll be fine. If you have an okay processor and a lot of memory, that'll kind of help out. Yeah. And if you have a, you know, a really great processor with a really great graphics card and okay memory that'll help out too yeah um, so what about the graphics cards because that also has memory inside of it right yeah and it has the ability to you know and it as it says it is uh um it's you know your graphics card it's it's to be able to display that 4k and be able to render that 4k it helps too especially you know people ask what's the way to go with nvidia and um ati uh, we have an nvidia and that's because it uses CUDA, which is this processing program, processing language that works really well with Premiere. And Premiere can, you know, I guess optimize for CUDA. Yeah. CUDA, CUDA. Um, yeah. I think Macs stick with ATI, though, which is weird because Macs want you to use uh, Final Cut rather than Premiere. Right. Um, but yeah, the graphics cards are great and they can get expensive. Um, you know, you don't need the same graphics card that you would if you were a gamer and streaming and all that stuff. Right, um, but if you are going to be doing like s- computer graphics, like CG, three D production stuff yeah. like that, oh yeah, get a good get a good graphics card, get a good Nvidia card. Um, what do you me- think is like the mi- so? There is memory in graphics cards. You can get like ones that have like one terabyte. One- can you get ones with one terabyte? Oh God, yeah. I mean, oh, uh, man. let me see what ours is. Hold on. I thought you can get ones with like one gigabyte. Or like one... Uh, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure... Let's see. Technical support. What is our card? Oh, my God. Uh, let's see here. I'll tell you one thing. Oh, system information. There it is. Come on. The joy of uh, Windows 10. I know, right? Uh, so we have geforce gtx 970 geforce gtx 970 uh what is that it is a of course everyone's like is it good for gaming um you suck nvidia you just really performance um features specifications there we go uh so we have Four gigabytes of memory in ours. Yeah. Um, I think there's... Oh, maybe there's not a... Mm, I think there is a one terabyte graphics card, but they're super expensive. I think they just started releasing them. Yeah. So a- AMD revealed a one terabyte... No, that's flash memory. I thought there was a dedicated graphics card that was one terabyte, and it's like Man, ridiculously expensive. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking of the... Uh, Two terabytes of memory and a new $7,000 graphics card. Jeez. Man. Woo! That's bonkers. Yeah. Um, All right. So what also, um, speaking of like NVIDIA, they just talked about their new touring architecture or whatever. Right? I haven't looked into that. That's supposed to be like some way of like... It's like artificial intelligence, right? Yeah. Something about that. Yeah, which is crazy. But it really, the, the thing is that... 
what will happen a lot of times is that people will, will – companies will release um, – they'll release like technology that can't be optimized yet because it also – like to use right. that, the software has to be out there. And um, – Well, it's kind of like cameras. Yeah. Like they're – they make cameras that are 6K, but there's no way of viewing that. Yeah. Like you're not going to – you're not going to actually ever right now – See 6K because there aren't 6K monitors. Exactly, and, and and that's the exact same thing. Um, it's like it's um, they'll just release it because it's like they, what they they call it is future proof. So they make it so that it's like, well, in the future, our camera will still be relevant, or in the future, our graphics card will still be relevant. Once these software nerds catch up, and once these monitor, you know, TV display nerds catch up, yeah. Um, so they do have, you know. This new technology, and they're always trying to, you know, create new technology because at the same time, when it comes to think about it in terms of like cameras, even like you said, they release this high end technology to to be bought immediately by like high end industries. So they're releasing, you know, a 6K camera for the VFX crew of major motion pictures and then slowly it'll trickle down to prosumer or like consumer stuff. Think about our camera. Our camera of the V35 was released, dual ISO, crazy expensive. And then that technology that they they had was able to then be released in the LT, smaller package, mm-hmm. and then the EVA. And the GH5S. And the GH5S. So that's the same kind of idea when it comes to the computer technology. So they have this Turing technology that NVIDIA developed that's supposed to make rendering just like blaze – and nothing can utilize it yet because the software hasn't been developed. So <laughs> nice. That's where we are. Um, that's so yeah. exciting. It's exciting. Um, but yeah. All right. So what do you think in terms of um, minimum memory and minimum GPU for like, and also minimum processor specs for like an editing computer nowadays that will edit 4K or at least, you know, proxies, HD proxies for a 4K and then render 4K. Yeah, I mean, we have a 4 gigabyte. Man, maybe there is no four, 1 terabyte. I thought there was. Somebody, it, it was one of those things where somebody released, like, we did it. Yeah. Uh, that, that, you know, it cost $15,000, but we did it. Yeah. They, they just wire them together. Yeah, exactly. Um, we have four, we have four. Now, I think the biggest thing is that. The biggest misconception is that it all depends on the graphics card and like max out your graphics card more than anything else. I think especially when it comes to like editing and maybe visual effects so you can render like the actual like 3D space and all that, it comes yeah. down. But if you're doing a simple edit on a 4K project, four, four gigabytes is all you really need. I mean, you could get away with two gigabytes. I forget what my one, I think my one on my laptop is two gigabytes. Yeah, I um, think mine is too. And it's fine. It's fine for 4K. Um, now, if you're getting into like Maya and you're getting into um, 3ds Max, you're probably going to want, you know, now just like the Xeon process, you can you can daisy chain them together so you can get four four terabyte uh, four gigabyte cards, yeah, and make it eight, and they have the technology that can utilize that. Um, so that might be the best if you're going to do your own VFX at the end. Um, and I'm not talking like After Effects VFX. I'm talking like. You're doing 3D modeling. You're doing, you know, yeah. 3D uh, backgrounds. You're doing like uh, simulations for yeah. like explosions and particles. And exactly. Um, you might want to get two four four gigabyte cards and, and link them together. Um, 
Uh, but I'd say two to four is what you really need, and they're not that expensive. You know, that's like maybe four hundred to five hundred dollars. Yeah, uh, if you get your high end. What about memory? I know for me, I've had computers that only have like sixteen gigabytes of memory, yeah. and it's okay. I mean, it's fine for HD stuff. Yeah, uh, which I guess if you're uh, cutting proxies, that'll be fine, and it'll, it'll probably take a little bit longer to yeah. render. Mm-hmm. I would say 64 is a good place to start. Uh, yeah. 32 or 64. 64 is kind of like it. All right, this is good. Yeah. Uh, 32. I think our laptops have 32, right? Yeah, I think 32. And they're fine. So 32 would be good, um, but 64 would be a dream. So you got a, you know, you got a Xeon. You don't need dual Xeons. We have Xeons. Uh, you got a Xeon, 32 gigabytes of memory, and a 2 to 4 gigabyte um, graphics card. You'll be sitting pretty. Not bad. Yeah. Um, and then this is where Alex comes in because he loves looking at all the pretty monitors out there. I do like so, monitors. So, you know, there's no point in editing 4K and all that if you can't view it in 4K. So we our next big purchase in the post world is going to be a 4, 4K monitors. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so what do you look for in a 4K monitor? Not one on set, but one in post. Well, I don't know because I've never had one. But what I would look for... <laughs> Touche, sir. <laughs> what I would look for is um, the ability to calibrate colors. Okay. Uh, because for me, um, like monitoring when it comes to editing is less important in terms of like having the the resolution and, and uh, you know, color accuracy. Mm-hmm. Because you're not really concerning yourself with that when, it, when you're just editing. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, but if you're doing color grading and stuff like that, um, you want something that you can calibrate um, to be as accurate as possible. Um, some monitors claim that they have like a, a connection to like Technicolor. I know BenQ has some some <sighs> color correct, yeah, supposedly monitors, and then yeah. but having the ability to calibrate them uh, more than just like what's built into your um, sort of like computer brightness and color settings. Yeah, I think is ideal. I'm with uh, you on that. And having like, a, um, what is it? Like a, a higher bit depth. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. some monitors you can get like 10 bit monitors that aren't too crazy expensive. You know. Yeah. That's not bad. No, I, 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 do they have 6K monitors out there? 6K monitors? I don't know. Let me see. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Dell, of course, has an 8K monitor. What for? I don't know. How much is it? $4,200. Jeez. It's an ultra sharp, too. It's a 7-inch. 32. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's how it would be. And I'm sure, I think Apple came out with their, like, new, uh, their new, like, MacBooks that have 6K monitors built in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's also things you can get, um, there are these crazy color cal- calibrators and they look like almost like mice, like computer mice. Yeah. You, um, and you, you drape them over yeah, the monitor and it will, the and it will like, there's a software that comes with it. It'll analyze the, the, the color coming out of the monitor and adjust it to what is industry standards. You have presets that work. Yeah. So basically what it, the software does is it displays a series of different colors and, and tones and whatnot. Um, and then the little mouse looking thing reads those colors and see, determines like 
whether it's got the optimal like brightness and whether it's like shifting you know to a different color a little bit and it'll correct it for that you know like if you if your reds are are slightly green it'll push them more towards the red side or whatever um and those are cool Almost, yeah. Those are like necessary if you're yeah. if you're doing color grading and stuff. And I guess we should say that we assume that if you're listening to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, you're probably trying to do everything on your own, which means you're color grading your own thing uh, to save some money. So this is where it would come in handy because you, yeah. you're going to be color grading your project after you're done with the edit. Once you get picture lock, you're like, all right, now time to grade it on my own, Yeah, which a lot of people do. And I think the reality of it is, I mean, you could grade a project entirely on scopes. To, yeah, to be like color accurate, mm-hmm. but then when it comes to like adding the creative element, you want to be able to see what you're doing. And the truth of it is, you should probably calibrate it like every time because computers, you know, it can be slightly different day to day, even um, or like week to week. Especially if you're like if you bought this brand new monitor or whatever, and then all of a sudden. You, you've uh, left it on for like a month, it's probably shifted slightly. Yeah. Or if you share it with somebody, um, they may have different settings they want to use. Yeah. Um, You know, if you have an intern come in and edit in your sweet computer because they want to do some 3DS Max, they may have changed some things and you're like, oh, well, all right. Yeah. Um, And and, and you know what's also is that a lot of programs, when you open them, will calibrate the monitor as they see fit. Yeah. Um, And so if you're using a program that you haven't used before – and all of a sudden, you're going back into your color correcting, and you didn't calibrate your monitor. Uh-oh. Yeah. Like, I remember one of the first monitors I had, you know, when I started doing posts and stuff was, I don't even know how to say it properly. Is it Asus or Asus? Asus. I think it's Asus, Asus. yeah. Um, I had one of those, and it definitely shifted to magenta. Mm. And so it, like, affects the way – because if you're monitoring things and color grading things – that and your monitor has a magenta shift when you actually view it on something else it's going to come out green yeah yeah absolutely um we have that problem at aura and we don't even have like professional monitors we have tvs plasma tvs (laughs) yeah and um i'll be sitting with producers and doing some edits um and they'll be like, oh, that looks really red. I'm like, well, look, don't look there. Look there. Like the yeah. Asus is there are red. Um, and then the monitors that we have are blue. So it's just a mess. And it's like. Yeah, no consistency. And that's kind of why you need to be consistent. If you're really serious about it, you need to be consistent and, and make that sort of part of your day-to-day tasks is making sure that your stuff is calibrated. And that mm-hmm. even goes for on-set monitors. Like your on-camera monitor should be calibrated. Your um, like director's monitors should be calibrated because you want to be able to be looking at things you know as accurately as possible. And just to reemphasize, these are all computers. Anything you use are basically computers. Cameras, yeah. they're computers that just capture light and process it. Um, you got to even calibrate your camera on set. Yeah, uh, I know our V thirty five. You have to do the uh, absolute black balance mm-hmm. so that it knows what black is in any situation. And that you, they recommend you do that every time you uh, you go to a new location. Yeah. Um, so. Everything needs to be calibrated to get color accuracy. Yeah, and I think when it comes to monitoring, one of the biggest factors is like your environment. Mm, mm-hmm. um, you can get kind of like weird color stuff going on with your eyeballs based on what's surrounding your monitor. You know, like they say, if you're gonna if you're gonna grade, you should be in a room that is painted with like neutral gray. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or what is it? 18% gray? Yeah. Um, and then have like very dim tungsten uh, lights. Um, but they have a, all the, you can like look this up and as really you're, nerd out, really nerd out about your post if you're, if you're going in that direction. But there's a lot of uh, places you can find like what the ideal situation is for and positioning of like your monitor compared to the wall, like how much space there should be. Yeah. Um, because eye fatigue and strain and stuff, it affects how colors are um, seen. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can have, uh, I'm sure you've all had this scenario where you're looking at like a bright monitor or like a, a bright light and then you look off to something else and you have like a burn in kind of spot in your eyeball yeah. from that thing and it's like a different color and so you can see how like light and different settings and stuff could affect the way you're seeing uh things yeah so. no no absolutely and and you'll you'll see that their uh big studios and all that they will pay uh top money to have a the perfect environment for for post yeah uh, because they want it because they know that that when it comes down to post it's the closest it's going to be to what people see when it's in the theaters yeah so they want to make sure the colors are right um you know there are movies that just get the color all wrong, and I don't know why. But oh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, this looks red, and looks it weird. doesn't have any reason to look red. Yeah, it's not like it's helping the story in any way. No. Um, but yeah, so I mean, uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, color color calibration and just the ambiance of the room play a huge factor when you're trying to figure out your your post setup. Yep. Uh, we don't have 4K monitors. We want to get them. Yep. Uh, because we do do our do do <laughs> nailed it. Oh, is it Friday yet? <laughs> um, we do do our own uh, <laughs> our own posts. We do our own color correcting. We haven't really gotten into the sound part, but you yeah. know that that plays into it too. But Alex is taking some courses on color correcting, so he does color correcting, and it's really hard uh, monitor to monitor, especially because a lot of people watch things on TVs that aren't color calibrated, and they yeah. watch them on their monitors that aren't color Definitely. calibrated. So. And what I've realized now, this is a new new fun twist on this. Yeah. Um, especially when you're working with clients, uh-huh. um, it's different. Like if you have a, if you're working on a big project, and then or like you're doing a watch down, yeah. In theory, in like mm-hmm. a real space, and they come and they watch it on your machine on like a TV that you have in your studio or whatever. That's also been sort of like set up the best it can be. Yeah. But nowadays you send off something for notes and revisions. They look at it on their phone. Ah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And And good luck that being. Yeah. It's like, who knows? Who knows what's (laughs) happening? Or, or, you know, or maybe they have like junky monitors but the truth of the matter is, your movie's going to be seen on junky monitors and TVs that have different like cinema settings and like all sorts of weird stuff. So you have to kind of like be aware of that too, and it it should look good across the board. Yeah. But uh, know that not everyone's going to see it the way you see it on your computer. Yeah, and I mean, don't go into it thinking you like. I know people who would be like, well, you didn't watch it in a theater, and that it looks perfect there. It's like, ah, just settle down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Not everybody watches things in theaters these days, all right? Uh, I know that everyone wants them to, but uh, Steven Spielberg, I'm looking at you. But, uh, you know, it's 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 all changing. The, the way people are uh, taking in media these days is changing every day. 
Yeah. And I think it's the same with sound. I mean, uh, they always say you should, when you do your sound mix, you should hear it from your, you know, studio, um, stereo speakers that you have, or if you have like a 5.1 or a 7.1 or whatever sound setup in your, in your area, you should listen to that, but also listen to it on like earbuds. Um, and then yeah. straight out of like a TV speaker mm-hmm. and straight out of like a laptop speaker and all, all you listen to it and all these different things, it's obviously not going to sound the best out of all those things, but you want to try to get the best it can be out of each one of those things. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you, it's hard to say what you should edit for and, and you know, change for, uh, you know, it's like, if it sounds really crappy on headphones, do I want to improve it on headphones, but lose the quality on speakers. It's hard to say. It's yeah. so hard to say. I also think people don't realize that most, um, like if you're doing a, a high end production, you're going to be grading. You're going to do two different grades. You're yeah. going to do one for the theater and you're going to do one for video yeah, or for DVD. And then maybe you might even do a third one for streaming because the compression's going to change yeah. the way it looks. Yeah. So it, it, it all changes every time you get a different, uh, display medium and different, yeah. uh, distribution medium. Um, and then finally, so you got your computer, you got your monitors, um, and then there's accessories. Um, and you know what? We're going to put accessories of storage in there because these days most storage is external yeah. because you're going to be moving from system to system. So don't think we forgot about uh, storage when we talked about the computer because uh, most of the stuff is going to be external. Um, it's just External and or, you know, it's cheap nowadays and kind of like easily swappable even if yeah. it's internal. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, so what we got? We got... Now, if you're, we're just, since we're talking about color, there are the sweet color calibration uh, control panels. The control panels, yeah, not the calibrators. Not the calibrators. The, That's the, an accessory yeah, though, too. Yeah, the color calibration, the color, uh, color grading control panel. I guess you could yeah. say mm-hmm. uh, those are the ones that you all see with the with the balls on them, the roller balls. Yep. Um, that and you can. Yep. So Black Magic makes some pretty cool ones nowadays, um, and they're relatively inexpensive. Before that, they were kind of more of a premium luxury that you got on like high end systems, or um, you know you have to, had to spend like a couple thousand bucks mm-hmm. on one. Um, but yeah, now Blackmagic has their little nine hundred dollar one that's kind of cool, um, and then they have their bigger ones, obviously. Um, the really big ones are like thirty grand. Dude, those things are crazy, and that's like for a that's like for a real. That's uh, for post like house. a post house that is doing it every day and getting giant projects. Yeah, um, and it's not really necessary at all. No, uh, it's a luxury. It's something that you use to speed up your process. You know, um, kind of in the same way if you were writing a script entirely on like an iPad with a touch screen keyboard, it would take longer than oh. than working on like a a laptop Look with a keyboard. You. Yeah, Look at these metaphors. You could get it done. It would take longer. Yes, exactly. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've, I think, uh, does Blackmagic sell an actual board or do they have recommended ones for their, uh, for Resolve? A board? A yeah. control panel? Yeah, a control panel. They have three. They have the mini one mm-hmm. that's uh, like $999. They have a larger one um, that's like 2000 I think. And then they have their real one that's 30000 Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I think Alex learned most of his uh, color correction on Resolve, right? Resolve and um, at the time, Speed Grade. Yeah. That's um, right. 
Adobe used to have a, a program called SpeedGrade, and then also Lumetri, which is the built-in Premiere one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also Colorista. Oh, that's right. I forgot was, about Colorista. Uh, I like Colorista is kind of cool, but um, yeah. And I did all of that without any um, control panels at and, all. And you were fine. Yeah. And you were able to, to you can do it all with a mouse. Yeah, exactly. Because it's all digital. Again, guys, it's all digital. Just like, you know, uh, if you look at something like a TriCaster, it has the uh, USB board where you can switch, but then uh, ATEM uh, from Blackmagic just uses a keyboard. It's all the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's all just, the same. It's just, do things make it easier or, or harder for you? Yeah. Um, then also, if, when we're talking about sound, a nice set of speakers go a long way. Now, you know, ideally you'd want like 5.1 surround so you could, you know, test it out. Um, that'd be cool. Or but, like a special Dolby Atmos setup in your... Yeah. That'd be crazy. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but uh, just a nice set of something like, a, you know, M-Audio or uh, yeah. just good speakers that give you good, you know, bass levels and treble levels. Um, uh, I don't recommend doing most of your sound editing and sound mastering where you work because that, again... You want to go to a room just almost like they paint uh, editing rooms and color correction rooms, uh, like a certain color. You want to go to a room that's been tuned for for sound. Yeah. Uh, because your little closet or your second bedroom, not not great for for sound levels. Yeah. And talk about nerd alerts. I mean the uh, the sound people oh. they know all. Oh my god. Like they will they will set up a room and then know the exact like perfect spot to be. Hmm. To, to hear everything right, you know, mm-hmm. because similarly, if you're like, if you're in this room, it's usually the center that is like the best spot, not, yeah. not like by a wall yeah. or like towards the back where people don't, I think when people like set up rooms, they don't normally sit themselves right in the middle, No, you know? Yeah. So it might be kind of weird to think about it that way, but like that's probably the best place in a sound scenario. Well, if you think about it, uh, in your living room where usually people have their five point one, your your couch is usually in the middle of the living room, right? Yeah. Um, and so they, you know, they do have they do have like uh, apps that aren't as good, but they do have like almost like the color calibration uh, mouse looking thing. They have uh, they have hardware that you put in the place where you're going to sit and it will calib- help you calibrate your speakers for the best levels. Yeah. Um, and that just shows you that right in front of your computer with the speakers right next to your ears is probably not the best for like mastering sound. So you know the right levels. No. However, mm-hmm. again, it depends on uh, what you're doing because I think if you're doing a lot of stuff for like digital, yeah. if you're doing like YouTube videos or like web videos, it probably is the best because that's how people, people are listening to it out of their computer speakers. Mm-hmm. They're listening to it out of headphones. Yeah. Um, it's not, they're not going to have a, well, first of all, you're probably not going to mix in five one. You're not even going to no. have that option. Nope. Um, but no one's going to be listening to it in their surround sound theater setup, you know? Yeah. So it again comes down to doing what is best for what you're doing. Yeah. And again, as we say with sound on set, sometimes like, man, I, I colorists are nerds, but sound people are nerds. Super nerds. Like those guys. Super nerds. Are like. Super nerds. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) they, they, they're, oh my gosh. Like let them handle the sound mastering. Yeah. And they'll be able to give it to you just exactly how you want it. Yep. Um, what about m- mice? 
I know. So uh, there's different. We had one dead one on our desk. I know. Um, yeah, but, that was a tragedy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? Our sound guy at at Aura uses a a, a trackball, a rollerball. Yeah. I don't know why he bought that specifically for sound. Yeah. And I, like doing, yeah, doing, it. and so I don't know why he bought that. I like, you know, I was of the longest time I was of the wireless. Yeah. Um, flavor. Wireless flavor for when it came to mice and keyboards. But then I was like, wait, why? I'm like right there. What's the yeah. point? What, like there's latency, there's batteries. Yeah. Uh, it's just All kind of annoying. Yeah. And so like I've slowly gotten off the train of. Uh, I think if you have a desktop. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I think for laptops and stuff, wireless mice can be nice. Yeah, they can be nice. Ah, <laughs> nice. <Check> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, but um, I mean, for the most part, if you have a tower. Just go. Just like, wire it in. Wired it in. You don't have to worry about like losing a connection, you, losing Bluetooth. Yeah. Replacing the batteries. Replacing batteries, which is the worst. I mean, our freaking iMac that has wireless, it like is always losing the connection to the thing. It's like screw this. Just give me a wired mouse. Uh, it's it's so much nicer. Yeah, and I prefer actually. I've I haven't I've never owned one of those trackball things. Ball things, yeah. But I've tried them. Uh, it's just I can't. I can't get maybe, I can't get down with it. Maybe it'll come with practice. Yeah. But um to me like a, a regular mouse is is solid. I actually have gotten mean. really good at using the trackpad for oh, things. I can look do at you. I've done like all I've done like Photoshop, you know, I've done after effects stuff all with like just the trackpad. Look at you. And it's not too bad. No, it's not too bad. I mean it, it, again, it goes back to your your writing a script on an iPad. Yeah, uh, it just may may take a little bit longer, but yeah, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, I used to. I, I've done that too. I've done Photoshop on a trackpad. It's not the worst thing in the world. No. but it, it'll get the job done. You might get frustrated a little bit, but yeah, it is what it is. And then in the same realm, I know people um, that use that don't use a mouse and instead use a tablet, like a uh, a Wacom, pen, like a Wacom, like a pen tablet. Yeah, a bamboo, something like that. Um, which again, I think there's kind of like a learning curve to it. There's like a little bit of a knack to it that you got to get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely like ruins the portability factor. <laughs> yeah. If you're using a laptop, um, I don't, I don't really know why one would use one for like, uh, just editing. It seems strange. I guess if you're really good at it. It I guess, but I don't. Difference. I don't see. I don't see it, the advantages of it. You know. I don't either. Um, again, it's like it would be the same kind of idea as like editing on an iPad Pro, which has the pencil. Yeah, I, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would say that. Yeah, I would say that he, that he might the person who uses the Wacom for editing, he might use the Wacom for a lot of other things, and just it's there and hooked yeah. up to the computer. Yeah, it's like a... But he's the guy I make fun of. <laughs> probably. I mean, yeah, I would Some say... Some of them do have, like, the mouse option. So, okay. you know, it's like a mouse and a pen. So maybe, yeah. Is that the one where you put it down flat and then the mouse is, doesn't have any batteries? It's more magnetic and yeah. it just... It, it uses it almost like a mouse... It's like a mouse pad. It's like a mouse pad, but it tracks the mouse. It tracks the mouse, Okay, yeah. all right. I can maybe. see that, but... I mean, man, I don't know. I, I Wacom is nice. Uh, you have one. I do. Have you used it for editing? Because your yours is powerful enough to use for editing. Yes, but mine's also the one that's it's like a built-in. It's a monitor oh, that okay. you are touching instead of like a 
a pad. Gotcha. And so it's more of an iPad than a. Yeah, and it's weird. I I have tried to edit on it, and I've used a mouse with it. Yeah, because it's weird to me. Um, first of all, editing programs are made to use a keyboard, you know, like shortcuts and stuff. Yeah, and the accuracy of like hitting these little icons that aren't really meant for like touch and stuff. Yeah. Um, is, is weird <laughs> with a pen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be not weird for other people. And then also like this, the thing of like clicking and dragging. Oh that man. Is yeah. Required for like editing. Yeah. Can be a little funky. Um, I mean the pens have little buttons on them so you can do it, but you have to set it up. Right. I don't know. It's like, it's not for me per se. Yeah. I, I would actually, if you guys do use a Wacom, uh, for any part of your post, let please like, please send us a message and let us know how you use it because I'd be yeah. interested because it is super portable, especially yours is yeah just, as just a standalone like iPad but better than an iPad. Yeah, but it's it, great. I think I mean to me the obvious uses of it are like you said for graphics design and stuff like that. If you were to do like a matte painting VFX. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that yeah, I, I guess you could, I could give you that. Like, if you're actually making it and painting it and using the pen, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I would say if anybody out there uses their Wacom as like a way of navigating their edits, um, either the one that Alex has, which is the Cintiq, the Cintiq, which is like the built-in monitor on the pad, yeah. or who has like we or the one that is just like an actual pad, you see nothing on it and it's just connected to your computer. Uh, let us know. I'd be interested to see how people use them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Um. And then also, in they they make super special editing keyboards, or like little floppy overlays. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say, uh, do you would you ever use one of those? You know, I've thought about it, and I've seen people use them. I don't like. And well, to me, it's the same. There's yeah. no difference. Yeah, because you still have like you see the little icons on the the keyboard. There's like a billion of them, right? Yeah, you still have to know what they are. It's the same as like learning hotkeys. Except, I guess it's a reminder of hotkeys, right? Yeah. So I, that's the thing is like, I know the hotkeys that I use the most in Premiere. Now I probably should use more. I learn more, but the fact is like, it's remembering the hotkey that you want to use, and then what the combination is. So if I could just look down and be like, oh, that's what I want to do, and know what I have to hit, it might be better. Yeah. Um, but for me, I only use like five or six hotkeys, and I'm not, not feeling crazy. that I need to like get a. a keyboard that tells you all of them tells me the ones i don't use i know that's how i feel but i i think i don't know i i always wondered because um i don't understand how you would i guess it's like different tones for like if you have to hit control or hit, hit alt or whatever and the key yeah I, how does that work i guess that's where it comes into play is like you need to know like um, you know you, that that this one goes with the alt and this one goes with the yeah. Um, to me, it would make more sense to completely like make a whole keyboard that I guess they they do this probably because they probably map out all the keys. Mm-hmm. But um, like one that's just like got buttons for all of the functions. It's not like a multi-button situation almost like your uh deck what is that one that you have that little yeah the stream deck stream deck yeah um they do have one that is like it looks like it is um 
you know what it would be? It'd be a keyboard that is like your deck, uh, stream deck, where yeah. the, the actual key changes. Because I'm seeing on like B and H that they have one that is a backlit keyboard that like lights up. Yeah. So maybe what'll happen is that if you hit Control, the ones that can use Control oh. will light up, and if you hit Alt, the ones that will hit Alt. I don't know. That's interesting. I, I'd have to see about that. Um, but um, hmm. yeah, I mean, it would be one of those things where. I would almost rather, like, I guess what I'm getting at is I would almost rather have a custom control panel that's not a keyboard at all, uh, but in fact, a control panel that has buttons for specific things, um, maybe like a track wheel for, so like, almost like a, scrubbing. almost like an upgraded version of your, uh, of your Stream Deck, like a larger version of Stream Deck. Not even necessarily like but yeah i mean basically because the thing about the stream deck is you can customize it you can like input different uh images so that you can like on the button itself Mm -hmm. so that you can say okay this is like a a play button it has a little play icon yeah and you can map it all out yourself i'm saying more like um like the color panels yeah which are not at all keyboards yeah it's its own thing um but it has like the buttons, the wheels, the things that like that are specific to coloring. And in this case, it would be like I know they make this basically, but like okay. it has like a, a tr- like a, a wheel for scrubbing through the footage. Mm. You know, like yeah. on the right hand side, I think it's like all the play, yeah, you know, yeah. pause, rever- you know, yeah, 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 all those functions. And then in the middle, it's you got like sound. Um, I think Avid made these for a while. You have like sound stuff. Then there's like a touch screen. And then there's like other buttons for things that you use most. Interesting. I'm trying to see if there's anything like that. I, I like what you're thinking though. I know um, I know Avid made one. Um, it was Ad- called... Adobe made one Artist for series. photo editing. The Avid Artist series. Artist Control is what it was called. Let's see. Oh, look at that thing. It had a touch screen and like little knobs and buttons and stuff, but it was a control panel for editing. Interesting. Okay, okay. And okay. then it like, theirs um, was actually like a three panel system. Oh. So like one was for editing mostly, That's one was sweet. for sound, and one was for coloring. That's pretty And sweet. they all had the different things. But um, anyway. Yeah. I- I'd rather have that than like a keyboard yeah, I would too. Like, like I think keyboards are kind of dated now, so that I wouldn't, in terms of editing, so I wouldn't get a, like an editing keyboard. Yeah. I'd get something more like that that is more intuitive to editing. Right. Because it, what they're trying to do is they're just trying to take a regular keyboard that you use for your computer stuffs and make it editing keyboard. It's like, yeah, yeah I want something that is the like purpose driven thing. I pull out when I'm editing. Yeah, I should look into that. That'd be that'd be pretty nice. Um, and then okay, we'll get into it. Storage, 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 storage. As you're getting to 4K and 6K footage, you're going to need storage. Now, yep. yeah, you know, if you have a tower, you could put some hard drives in there. You could put your, you know, the biggest hard drives are freaking still spinning, physical spinning disks. Uh, yep. You know, SSDs are getting up there, 512, 1 terabyte, but you still 8, 10 terabyte drives. Yeah, um, but, you, but they're much faster, right, if you get they, an SSD? They, yeah, oh my God, SSDs are so much faster. Um, so some people you, I know that will like have the same computer, take out their physical hard drives and put in SSDs. Say it looks like a brand new, it works like a brand new computer because everything loads faster because it's not a spinning disk. Yeah. Um, 
I if if they if I could afford it, I would put four terabyte SSDs in all the computers, like five of them, yeah. and that would just blaze. Yeah. The rendering would be faster. You know what? They, some people say that spinning disk hard drives are actually the bottleneck that slows down renders because it takes so yeah. long to write it to that hard drive. It, it takes longer to write it to the hard drive than the the computer is working. Yeah. Um. So the computer is trying to spit it out as fast as possible, but then the hard drive is like, well, hold on, hold on. Yep. Hold on. What'd you say? Let me go back. Let me go back. I got, I got, yep. it, I got, yep. it. got it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, I would say that you're going to need a lot of storage uh, depending on what your situation is. For us, we have some network storage drives so we can all access the information at the same time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, four terabyte, 10 terabyte, uh, eight terabyte. Yeah, I think the amount of storage obviously is going to depend on the type of footage that you're shooting. If you're shooting raw, you're going to need more. If you're shooting 4K, you're going to need more than you would if you were shooting 1080. You know, stuff like that. But one question I have, what is, uh, what's RAID? You always hear about the RAIDs. <laughs> so RAID is, there's many different kinds of RAIDs. RAIDs is a, uh, if I remember correctly, um, it stands for uh, r- redundancy... Uh, it's like redundancy array of inexpensive disks. Um, and basically what it is is that you have in array, you have in array, you have a bunch of like maybe three hard drives and the data when it's being written is written to all three of those hard drives. Um, so that if one fails, you don't lose all your stuff. You can recover it from the other raids. Yeah. Now there's many different raids. You know, one is like, RAID 0, which is no RAID. You just use all the hard drives as as they are. Uh, and there's another one that uses like three hard drives, and the fourth one is to back up all the data in a compressed way. Um, there's ones that's like match and match, so it's like two hard drives and then another two hard drives are the exact copies of the two. Um, it, it all depends, but it's a way to secure your data so that if something horribly goes, um, uh, you know, then you can recover your data. And, and it helps a lot if you are working on a project and something goes horribly wrong because hard drives fail. SSDs, not as much, but the spinning physical disks, they fail. And so yeah. if one fails, you could get your stuff back and, and not be screwed. Yeah. So um, would you recommend for like, let's say someone has like a production company, a small production company, mm-hmm. Where they're shooting a lot of client stuff. Yeah. Do you think they need RAID, like a RAID setup? Or? I would think so because if they're shooting client stuff, if that fails, they've been paid for that stuff. Yeah. So you think basically everyone who's not shooting their own just stuff for fun. Yeah. I think you should have a RAID system. Um, you can get little servers that are you know don't need to be networked. can just connect directly to computer but are RAID. Um, and it just is a way to back it up because if someone's paying you for the footage, you can't come back and say, I lost the footage because of my fuck up on my computer. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to go back and reshoot it for free. You're out money. They're not going to be happy with you to have to reshoot. The subjects that you shot aren't going to be happy to come back. Um, so I would recommend RAID for everyone um, just because – and especially there's a lot of a better backup. So if you delete something you didn't mean to, a lot of times you go back onto the RAID and find it. Um, yeah. But I think um, – man, I remember the very first like color correction gig I ever got uh-huh. was for a short film. And I met the guy to get the footage. He handed me a drive. Mm-hmm. I said, 
this is not the original, right? Like, you have another copy. He said, no, that's the only one. I said, please take this back, make a copy or two, and then give it to me because I don't want to be the one holding on to your drive with everything you've shot and it's the only copy. Yeah. I think um, having backups at every point, like when you are um, dumping footage on set, you should make backups, really. Yeah. Um, there's special programs you can mm-hmm. get that'll do it in a safe way. Um, and, you know, I think the footage can fail, the data can fail at any point. So you want to make sure everything's kind of as as safe as possible. Hey, don't trust computers. I always man. worry about, um, you know, I always worry about... Uh, my computer failing like mid render and it just like, um, you know, screwing up an entire hard drive. That's got the only project file for the thing that I've been making, you know? So like even making copies of your project files might be a good idea. Yeah. Well, here's, (laughs) here's one thing that like, this is, uh, um, let me, let me, this is like, this is the exact, exact, exact example of why you need a raid. So a freelance photographer filed a class action lawsuit against Adobe because there was a bug that deleted um, like $250,000 worth of his footage. Yeah. And what it was is that he put all of his stuff into his videos folder. Yeah. And granted, this is stupid, but he did everything (laughs) into his videos folder. And then when he cleaned up the cache... It deleted not just the, the the video files that were in that folder that were associated with that project, but all of them. Yeah. And so he lost it all, and he didn't have a backup. Yeah. So partially, you're dumb. Partially, oh, Adobe fucks up. So that's the example right there. You never know what bug is going to be out there that will delete your shit, and if you don't have a backup, that's on you. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, yeah, you know, $250,000 he's suing for, I don't know if they settled or whatever, and that's fine. You got your money back. You get money back, but you still don't get that footage back. Yeah. And I think um, there's a lot nowadays, there's a lot of like solutions. I forget one's called maybe like Backblaze or something. Okay. That um, will, like you, you set a particular drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you download like the software or whatever. You set a particular drive. And when you're online, whenever you're online, the... Um, software connects to the internet yeah. and transfers your shit, like your oh, new nice. stuff, to the cloud. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really cheap service. Yeah. Um, but the way they sort of price it is, I think it might even be free. Um, and then when you need the files, they charge you for the files. And that's not a bad idea. Um, but that's an interesting thing that's like happening. But again, I wouldn't necessarily trust having everything in the cloud. Um only, obviously, you don't want everything to only be in the cloud. You know what? Here, I just had an idea. Well, tell me if you think this would work. So we have, for those who don't know, most of GoDaddy's, like, most of their plans are unlimited storage, right? Yeah. Could you just, so I have super fast internet at home. I have 100 giga, uh, megabits per second, right? Yeah. I can upload shit blazing fast. Mm-hmm. We have an 8 terabyte drive here. That yeah. is filled with all of our stuff. Yeah. Can we just make like a website? Can, no, not even like, a website. Can we just, on our FTP, you can put yeah, any folder put you want. Just put a folder in can there. Can we just put a folder in there? Because we're not going to be getting it every time. Could we? 
Because a lot of places like Amazon's cold storage, cold storage is considered you're not going to access it that much. It's not fast. It's if you want to get it, it's like okay, well you know that it'll take two days to download, it, right. and that it's their cheapest option. We 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 won't need this footage that much, and if somebody asks us to do it, we can give them a time frame that will allow us to download it. I don't see why that wouldn't work. Why haven't we done this? The I only, need to. Yeah. I, my only thought would be, and I don't know, I don't know how this works because I'm not super smart in the uh, ways of the internet. Yeah. Um, but does the amount of junk that you have on your plant, like your server, slow everything down? Slow the rest of it down. Mm. Even though, like, no one's going to it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does a full website server. Because it's, uh, I mean, we're on shared servers anyway. Yeah. So it's we're like, there's a, a bunch of other junk on there from other people. So it probably wouldn't matter that much. But if we had like a hundred terabytes of stuff, I wonder if that would make a difference. Well, all I'm seeing here. So, you know, why is my website so slow? 10 reasons. Server performance. That's just like the type somebody, of server. The type of server. Server location, lots of traffic, extra large images that people are loading, code density, text graphics, too many file requests, too many plugins, unnecessary redirects, and an outdated CMS. It says nothing about it's full. Hmm. I wonder if it could be full. Uh, I will have a discussion with GoDaddy <laughs> if they give me an – if it's like, hey, this is how much – you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. It says unlimited. Yeah. So why are you like – coming at me that's interesting oh man i just might have had a beautiful idea here wow i wonder if we could well my only thought would be um that it would be a pain to like how do you hook it up automatically mm, i bet you could i well, bet you could do a dropbox your own dropbox you, yeah you could do that but the problem is is that to do that you'd have to have those files on a hard drive you know what I mean you'd right. have to have a physical version I will, I'm going to take this 8 terabyte that we have here with a bunch of our projects yeah and that we never it. need yeah that we don't need you never know yeah and just upload it as another backup because that's our only backup on the, that 8 terabyte yeah oh I like this we'll keep you guys like posted on what uh, what's going Figure on with that, that out. yeah 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 um but so yeah, so so storage is huge, and always make sure you have backups because you never know when it's just going to go to shit, yeah. um, and and then you're screwed. And I think lastly, uh, we yeah, should, we really went into the deep hole here. I know we did. We should discuss um, how long one should expect a computer to last. You know, as like, a Mac, five years because <laughs> you can't upgrade it. Um, yeah. The reason I like PCs so much better than Macs is because you can easily upgrade it. You can pop in. Like, our 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 uh, processors, our Xeons will be great, and we'll have to update the memory a little bit later when things get more memory intensive, and maybe the graphics card, but I think this computer could go for another five years and be fine. Yeah. Um, it, it just depends. If you have things that allow you to um, uh, upgrade them and upgrade pieces at a time as new technology comes out, as long as it's compatible, you could probably go five, ten years. I mean, how old is my laptop? I got it. It's about the same age as yours. Yeah. I don't know. It's It was old when I, I got mine yeah, used. I got mine used too, and it's fine. Yeah. I've had no problems with it. Um, well, I'm wondering, let's say someone right now buys the top-of-the-line MacBook Pro, right? Mm-hmm. How long do you think before that starts lagging? 
maybe four or five years. Yeah. It, it depends on if they all of a sudden get the MacBook Pro and then jump to like 4K. It could it could start lagging. Yeah. Um, it depends on, on, on a lot of things, but I would say about four or five years, you're probably going to get some good stuff out of it. And then you'll just have to toss it because it's a Mac. Yeah. Like we can upgrade our... Sell it to someone else. Yeah, exactly. Sell it to somebody who's a, a student or something like that. Um, I mean, it's just... Man. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. Wow. That was so nerdy, guys. I apologize. That was real nerdy. Sorry. How long was that? Well, we're sitting at like an hour 20 right now, but Woo. that's with some pre-roll. Sorry, guys. Wow. I, you know, I, like I said before, I was a computer science major before I switched to film, and so I nerd out pretty hard on computers. Uh, my nerd's showing. Well, let's out. nerd out on some other stuff. Oh, my God, the more, the more fun stuff. What's cool? All right, what do you got? What's cool? Uh, let's see. The first one I saw was Small HD is releasing their uh, Focus 7 monitor that's based on the very popular Focus 5, which is sort of their DSLR uh, touchscreen. It's like totally touchscreen. There's no buttons on it. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, it was made originally for like DSLRs. It has like a cool little bracket on it. Uh, that you just put into the cold shoe or hot shoe. Not bad. Um, and now they have the seven inch. Um, that yeah. you know is if you need I don't know a bigger a huge <laughs> seven inch monitor on top of your DSLR. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I could do seven inches. I mean, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know. I, I think the five is cool. It's kind of the perfect size, and um, you know they're they're both HDMI only, so. Yeah. They're kind of cool, and I think they're they're both. If I'm not mistaken, maybe the seven is is uh, more. Actually, let me look right now. But I know the five is uh, was 720 resolution. Oh, and yeah, the seven is also is uh, oh is 1920 by 1200. So oh, yeah. yeah, so that's full HD. But the uh, Focus Five is 720. Yeah, which is fine. I mean. You'll yeah. be able to focus on it. You'll yeah. be able to do all that stuff. It's no big deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's what it's there for. It's not supposed to be your, you know. Yeah, and these are like, they're not cheap, but cheaper for small HD. Like the, the Focus. <laughs> for small HD, yeah. The Focus 7 is only $700. Yeah. Compared to their other stuff, which is like a couple thousand. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. That, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I got USB 4 they just announced. Um, so, you know, the Thunderbolt and USB 4 keep uh, fighting with each other. Um it's the same type of connection as Thunderbolt 3, but it has better speeds. So Thunderbolt Sun, Thunderbolt 3 is 30 gigabits per second, while uh, USB 4 is 40. Yeah. Alex said we'd be nerding out, so here we go. Um, it'll give more power over charging, uh, fast enough for, uh, for the data transfer for uh, two 4K displays from one port. Ooh. Or one 5K display, so they're already Ooh. talking 5K displays, and the ports, the, the the plugs are very similar to Thunderbolt. I think they're exactly the same as Thunderbolt three, so you'll be able to use the same plugs. It just you won't have the speed of Thunderbolt. If you use a Thunderbolt three device, you won't have the same speed as Thunder as USB four. But uh, things are slowly starting to come together and be very uh, cross compatible, which is very strange for USB. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, nice. I, I I'm looking forward to USB four. We'll see, we'll see when that uh, comes out. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I saw the the Razer MC, uh, their new sort of one by one panels that are full RGBW panels that are kind of like um, 
light panels, Gemini, or those mm-hmm. those Lupo panels, yeah. uh, or even the Sky panel, yeah, like competitors. Um, and but cheaper, right? They're cheaper, much much cheaper. Yeah. Um, they have like the style. They they look like what you would expect a one by one panel. Like all the even like the cheaper ones, they look like that. I mean. They have okay. like a little battery plate on the back so you can battery power them. Um, they have a little display so you can fine tune it and they have preset buttons and stuff like that. Um, and little knobs, okay. obviously. Um, and, but they, they claim a really high, you know, color accuracy, which is nice and, um, decent, you know, brightness and stuff like that. But, uh, they are much cheaper than the sky panels. For example, for example, the one by one, um, they have multiple sizes too, by the way. So they have kind of like a, a wider, um, uh, one by two mm-hmm. looking size, um, is only $699. Okay. The, um, the wider one is $899 and then the. The one that I believe is just like brighter and all that is uh, $1,200 or $1,300, I mean, you compared know to the sky panel, which is like minimum of like 4000 Yeah. You know what? It's actually funny that you found this because our friend uh, Mitch, Mitch, uh, Mitch yeah, right. hit us up and asked for a lighting kit that was like, you know, how much was it? Under 3000 Under 3000 Um, So you could get three of these lights, Mitch, and that, that's, your, that's your interview kit right there. Uh, yep. As long as you're not... Um, you know, you might be able to pull it off if you are you know, shooting your uh, interviewer. But if you're just shooting an interviewee subject, this should this should do the t- trick. Three of these lights. Well, even if you're if you're um, yeah, you might be cutting it close. I guess yeah, if you're, if you're trying to say. do multiple. But at like at um, six hundred ninety nine dollars, you could maybe stretch it and get four. Ooh, you're going over three thousand. I know, but. Ah. But it's close. Suck it up, Mitch. Close. Mitch, Mitch, just uh, splurge a little. Uh, Sell four, some old baseball cards. The or something. four would be for you know if you're trying to shoot two people at the same time. Yeah, but uh, that this might be it, uh, Mitch. Check out the razors. Uh, look for the link in our uh, show notes. In our show notes. So uh, yeah, that, that might be your uh, your uh, small LED kit that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I got the REWVR1S wireless video receiver. Um, wire uh, RE. Uh, teamed up with Vitek, who owns Teradek and Paralink, and made their V their WVR one smaller and lighter. Um, it has a range of 500 feet, and four receivers can hook up to one transmitter. Um, so, you know, me and Alex, these uh, we're talking as we're selling our equipment. We're going to sell our Paralink uh, wireless video set, and we want to upgrade that. And this might be actually an option. Ari's stuff is pretty pretty uh, reliable. Um, you yeah. know, uh, the one thing that we didn't like about the Paralynx is that we heard a lot of times it drops, um, uh, you know, drops the connection and you have to reconnect yeah. it and all that and it sucks. Um, but, and that's true for, um, you know, the Teradek bolts, all the, like, all that yeah. stuff. I mean, the more you have running, I was working on a, a project where they had, you know, each camera had it and there were four or five cameras mm-hmm. and they had like a tree that they had built of all the, the receivers, you know, <laughs> with all the big antennas to yeah. try to make sure that it wouldn't happen, but they had to restart every time. Ah, sucks. So, uh, you know, I haven't done too much uh, looking into the RE uh, wireless video system. I think we might now, as we're looking for upgrading ours, 
Um, but uh, yeah, um, I would say that that would be uh, something to look into. Um, I don't know if it has price, um, but uh, you know, Ari is just expect to pay a lot for Ari stuff. Yep. Um, <laughs> like, I'm just going to tell you that right now. Alex just brought up the uh, the sky panels. There you go. That's how much. It, yeah, they're expensive. It's just expensive. All, all of Ari's stuff is expensive, but from that you get some quality and uh, some good build. Uh, yep. I think it's a, a aluminum body on these wireless receivers rather than the plastic stuff that sometimes Paralynx and Teradek can use. Yeah. Yep. All right. What else you got? I just saw the Sony Xperia 1. What is that? Have you heard about that? What is that? It's uh, a smartphone that uses Cinealta technology inside. Ooh. It uh, is the first 4K OLED smartphone screen. Uh-huh. Which is interesting. That's very interesting. It's a 21 by 9 cinema-wide display that also can, you know, can show HDR images. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it has Dolby Atmos sound. Oh, right. Built in. Wow. Um, and it was designed with input from the Sony Cinealta professionals, you know. So they have a lot of interesting things. Uh, first of all, it has like three uh, lenses. Of so course. 16 millimeter, 26, and a 52. Yeah, the, these smartphones are, come, are starting to come out with multiple multiple lenses. But go ahead, keep going. Yeah. They're all built in. They're not like removable lenses, but you got the three lenses going on on the single camera. Um, so you can get your sort of like wide angle, your middle, and your telephoto action going on. Um, then it also has 10 bit color. Wow. Which is crazy. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is that we just got done talking about, uh, color correcting and all that and be like, you know what? Most people are going to look at this stuff on their cell phone and that's shit. Yeah. Not this one. I know. This one's pretty nice. This one's not bad. Yeah. Not bad. So yeah, you got 10 bit color. Um, it's got the world's first eye autofocus. So instead of tracking faces, it tracks eyes. So it gets the eyes in focus, which is is actually a problem. Yeah. With face tracking That's stuff, true. because you don't, it's not detecting the accurate um, focus for focusing eyes. Interesting. And so they're also sharing all that eye data with the big Big Brother. Yeah, probably <laughs> the TV show. I don't know why they want it, but whatever. Um, let's see what else. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. And it can shoot 4K HDR 24 frames a second. Jeez. Seems pretty ball. It seems like what the red <laughs> the red phone should have been. Yeah. It's not it's not expandable like that one was trying to be and all that stuff. But it has a lot of interesting sort of like filmmaker-y yeah. features. Yeah. And um, the other thing um, is it has some type of like interesting hybrid stabilization system inside. What they call optical steady shot. God, that uses yes. like an algorithm to make it seem like smooth and whatnot. Good lord! I don't know. I'm interested to see how it works and yeah, no, definitely. You know, and now how it actually performs as a phone. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be amazing if it's like this awesome camera and it just drops calls left and right. I know. Well, I don't know how to text. I don't know how to text. That's like my. That's my thing about this. Is why make it a phone? Even like I would almost buy that separately as just like a little pocket camera well not only that but you throw that on like uh like all those uh one-handed stabilizers that they have out there those gimbals out there yeah and you have a pretty damn good camera on a gimbal and then it's like you don't even need to worry about having like (laughs) the the latest steez when it comes to like phones (laughs) why even why why even bother why make this a phone but whatever i mean hey 
We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. We'll see All how right. it goes. I mean, it sounds cool, but jeez. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got the uh, the Blackmagic Pro uh, Pocket Cinema Camera, the 4K version, is finally mm-hmm. getting Blackmagic's RAW. Ooh. So those people who really love the Blackmagic uh, Pocket Cinema Camera 4K, you're going to get the RAW codec support. So you can start shooting in RAW. Um, That's pretty cool. And, uh, and they can record over two hours of the raw footage in 4k. Um, so the, get your updates on guys, go get that. Uh, that seems pretty cool. I'm not the biggest fan of the, uh, black magic cameras, but, uh, yeah, I mean, some people really like them, so go yeah. for it. Go for it. They're, they're a good, um, affordable option. Um, speaking of black magic, the company announced the Ursa mini pro G two, which is their Generation 2, obviously, uh, Ursa Mini Pro camera, which has, you know, it looks almost identical. <laughs> As we were talking about Blackmagic cameras, and they're not great, but... <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it has a, a new sensor that's yeah. Super 35, 4.6K sensor. Okay. They claim 15 stops of dynamic range. <laughs> What's with the they claim? Well, all camera companies claim a certain amount, but it's never quite right. Um... And then, uh, let's see, you can shoot up to 300 frames per second. Oh, holy shit. interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. At 1080. And then um, it supports Blackmagic RAW, no. their, new, their new thing. And then also it has a USB-C expansion port for direct recording to external discs. That's pretty cool. That's interesting. Now, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, I mean, even more exciting, it's $6,000. Right. That's, that's the crazy. thing is it's like... It's a pretty. It's got a lot of features. Yeah, interesting stuff, and it's affordable. Uh, it's not bad. I personally just cannot stand how. I mean, it, this shouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to like purchasing a camera, like who cares how it looks? Mm-hmm. But to me, it looks so weird. It does. It. It looks so cheap. I should say is what it what what it means. It looks like a toy to me, but. Yeah. Um, it's I mean, just all I, the like switches. It reminds me of like an old camcorder, not like a new cool thing. Yeah, it's almost like they don't want to have a menu. Customers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> harsh. It's almost like they don't want um, to have a menu system. They want it all to be like pushable on the outside. And yeah. which I think is I, I'm not a big fan of it's it's a it's a catch twenty two because I'm not a big fan of having all the buttons out there because if something bumps and breaks or yep. you hit something accidentally, I kind of like having to go into a menu to kind of you know to get to the to get settings. to the things so you can't accidentally. Yeah, to me, it's like they're trying to be everything in that the camera. I imagine the way they thought about this was if I had to guess. Yeah. Uh, they wanted it to be a camera that would work for people that are used to like ENG style cameras. They want it to mm. be like a broadcasty documentary style camera, but that also is like a cinema camera. They just wanted it to be everything. They wanted to try to make it everything. And that's why it has a, a weird little flip out screen. Yeah. It has um, an eyepiece. Yeah. You know, it has all the like knobs and switches and, you know, stuff on the side. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold. I mean, I, the price I is great. This is like it looks like it has a huge tally light on the the, the viewfinder too. Is, which tell is me that's not. Tell me that's not. Uh, let's see. It probably is. Oh no. Why? Oh, it does have an interchangeable lens mount, which is nice. That's cool. I I I I do like that. 
But is that a really a tally light? Don't tell me that's a tally light. Oh my gosh! You know, it it looks like it would be a great um, documentary, like a uh, reality camera. You know, it's got the XLRs. You know, the input. Yeah. So you, and you can like adjust all the audio. I mean, it basically is a camcorder. Yeah. Is what it is. I mean, yeah, exactly. And it's like a C three hundred competitor, but like cheaper than a C three hundred Mark II. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um. Again, not a huge fan of Blackmagic's cameras. I love their other stuff, but uh, hey. Yeah, I feel like they're own. getting better. The problem that I had with Blackmagic cameras is the, the color shift, as we were talking about mm-hmm. color correction and stuff. Yeah. There's a, a distinct magenta issue with Blackmagic cameras. Yeah. And it's it's been across the board. Um, even in, like, I saw footage from a feature that used the black magic cameras and I had that guy from like the cock blockers movie in it I forget his name but he's really funny um, so it was like a a, a real movie uh-huh. but it had the same weird color stuff going on and I, I, I just couldn't I don't know and which is which like you'd think they could change in like post, post but yeah and so maybe they they liked it I don't I... know <laughs> I don't know question but, mark anyway yeah that's a personal preference yeah 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 so uh we nerded out too much let's end this thing because yeah, it is all too long uh, all right guys that's gonna do it for this episode thank you for joining us you can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash episode 44 and don't forget to hop on over to itunes and subscribe to our podcast and while you're there give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined sweet if you have any filmmaking questions like mitch ask away in the comment section and we'll try to answer them or you can also hit us up on facebook or twitter or uh, yeah, anywhere just hit us up we'll, we'll, we'll try and answer also don't forget to head on over to fearlessfilmmakers.com to join our growing community of filmmakers and hey you could even ask us a question there yeah yeah do it go guys go what are you still doing here go go right. later later